You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. All right, Ajit, for those who want to pursue coaching as a career, I know that some people dive headfirst. I was one of those people. I like hit the ground running and then kind of burned out, right? And then there are other people who like to dip their toes and ease into new ventures. So I'd love to explore both approaches. But first, I want to ask you this. How would you coach someone who is balancing a day job and parenting and still wants to have a life outside of work, and now they want to add coaching to the mix? That's beautiful. That's actually great if somebody wants to do many things in their life, like have their day job because they love it. Let's say, for example, they're a parent, so they love hanging out with their kids. They want to meet their friends and spend time with their loved ones. And at the same point in time, want to try this new thing that seems really exciting to them, like coaching. And it's great for pursuing all of it. The only way you can pursue a lot of ideas at the same time is when you understand the concept of time a little bit differently than how we've been told what time is. So time, how it's been presented to us always is there's a certain amount of time that you need to utilize to get certain amount of things. But what I've understood about time is that time actually bends to human needs. Time is not something that defines our life. We define how time's going to show up in our life. To understand this concept a little bit further, you know, in high school, I don't know if it's true for Americans, but in India, it's for sure that right before our exam is about to happen is when you cram the entire book in a day. Yep, that's right? pretty much America. You have the <laughs> whole year to take this book and all you do is mess around and make fun of your teachers and not read and not do anything really or do the homework but with the bare minimum amount of attention and that one day before the exam, somehow you're laser focused and everything gets done in like that one day. Your understanding is at a level that you've never experienced yeah. before and you can learn and remember everything in that one single day. Right. right. True for Americans. Yeah. True for Indians. I'm true for a lot of other cultures. Yeah. Because that's human trait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> human trait is that we are very, very good when we are given a task in a very short period of time. We make time bend to our needs. Right. And what tends to happen is while we all know this, because we've all done this in high school at some level, even the pre-preparers may be the only group of people that actually study over the entire year. But most people are procrastinators and they study in that last week, last month of the exams, right? And because of that, we all know that time will bend to our needs. Like time will somehow manufacture itself to get tasks that should take a month be done in a day, right? And that's what we need to understand about life. Our life usually, how we approach time is there's limited amount of time that we have. Instead of saying the time is infinite that I have till the time I utilize it in a way where it bends to my needs, I don't bend to it, right? So if you have a life that you want to live, if you have kids, if you have a day job and you want to build a coaching career on top of it, find how is it that you can bend time to your needs. Here's an idea or an example of an idea. If you are pursuing a coaching career, let's say you are using online marketing to build an online coaching career, right? You could wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning 
and do your work before the kids wake up. Let's say they wake up at seven or six, whatever the time is. You've got an hour, maybe two, to really go double down on whatever needs to be done in those two hours. You'll find because you have two hours, you'll get a lot more done than when you say, oh, I'm going to do it one day and think I'll do it over the weekend. You're going to waste the entire Saturday and not really do it. But you have two hours. You know the kids are going to wake up. The clock's ticking. You'll find yourself being hyperproductive, right? You knock those two hours. Kids are up. You play with your kids. Make lunch for your kids. Do whatever you got to do with the kids. Drop them off to school. Go to your work. Go to your work. That's where you probably cannot time box so much because you're on somebody else's schedule. So, or, or bend the time so much because you're on somebody else's schedule. But maybe you can. If your workplace is something that you're working from home, it's a very big possibility that if you really bend time to your needs, which is you give yourself a task to a particular amount of time and say, I'm going to achieve it in this time, you'll find that while your job requires you to do that task over eight hours, you could probably get it done in four. And may seem unreasonable as I say it, but try it. I have seen it in my own team multiple times, and I have shown this technique to them multiple times, which is why my team prides to not working 40 hours a week. And I don't track them for 40 hours a week because I know that that's not the highest value I get out of them. Right? So they don't have to work 40 hours a team when they are on my team, and I don't track for it. And what happens then is now, let's say if you're working from home or you have a situation where you don't have to be in an office or show your face to a boss all the time, right? Get your job done in four or five hours. Now you have another three, four hours before you start to hang out with people, right? Or before you get your kid back from school and let's say your partner is taking care of the kid that day or kids that day and you're going out to meet people and that's a negotiation and conversation you have with your partner. You got another couple of hours to probably bang out that thing that you may have remained from the morning two hours that you still have to get done. Get that done. Pick up your kid. Be really present with your kid. Cook for them. Go to the park with them. Whatever you got to do with them. Two with them, two hours, three hours. And then if you have an agreement with your partner, some days your partner gets to go out, sometimes you get to go out, sometimes you get a babysitter, so both of you can go out, right? So you go, today's the day where my partner's watching the kids and I'm going to go out and I'm going to have my life. And I come back and I sleep on time so I can wake up at five in the morning next day again, right? Again, it's all time being bent to your needs. You're not bending to the need of the time. You are bending time to your needs. Next day, you're watching the kids all evening. Plan the activity. Say, what are we going to do? How is this going to be the most meaningful, juicy, fun thing that my kids could have done today? How can I be the most present partner I can be? Because today is that day, right? Another day, there's, oh, it's date night. Oh, great, it's date night. Today, somebody else takes care of the kids and you both get to have fun. Great, let's make it the most juicy, fun three hours that we have because we have a three-hour support and somebody watching the kids. But that's how you bend time to your needs. So right now, I have three different businesses that I run. I coach two other companies. I have incredible amount of time with my kids. Like we have a lot of time that I spend with my kids. So much time that I spend with my kids that my mom was surprised last time she saw me and she was like, your father, <laughs> even me as your mother, never spend this much time with you guys. The amount of time you as a father spend with your kids. So that's the amount of time that I spend with my kids. Me and my wife travel everywhere. We have the most amazing partnership. We, we do things together. Literally yesterday was date night and sometimes it's friends night and it's movie nights and it's parties. It's everything that you can imagine that a person can do is in my life. And I still can knock out probably more work than anybody else does in the limited amount of time I have. And the reason is not because I am some godsend person, but everything is designed for time to bend to my needs. I'm not listening to time 
times got to listen to me. So you would coach someone to see that adding on more on top of their, you know, job, parenting, their relationship, wanting to add coaching. Like, I love how you even started off even answering this question. You're like, I'd say that's a great thing, right? That you want to enhance the quality of your life. So I think everyone listening who was like thinking about, ooh, do I want to add coaching? Do I have the time? I think this is really great. It's like, first of all, even just that mindset of like, oh, you want to add something to your life that's going to actually enhance the quality of your life. We can actually start to approach this from a place of like, this is amazing. How do we make time bend for me? Because you know that this is a desire that you have. So I love that approach. What would be your approach for the person who wants to dive right into coaching as a full-time career? Would you give them the guidance that they should leave their job to pursue it full-time? Like, because, you know, there's so much advice out there, right? Like, quit Mm -hmm. your day job, quit your day job. I always say, please don't do that. Please do Mm -hmm. not just quit your day job. If that's going to dysregulate you and you're not going to be able to really focus on this new career if you're stressed out about stuff, right? So that's Mm -hmm. my guidance. I'd love to hear your approach. So when you are somebody who's not skilled, so let's say you're not a skilled coach and you're doing this as a new career, what you must give yourself is a permission that it'll take at least a year before you get any results. It may be faster, but that's the permission you need to give yourself, the space that you need to give yourself, because you're going to start from a skill level that's not even there. So forget about building a business, you don't have the product yet, right? Your product is not in confidence yet. So if you have the runway for a year, if you have saved money for it, if you have resources that are around you that can take care of it, if you're funded in any way, then fine, you can quit your day job. That's fine because you're funded, you're taken care of. Because what will happen is the first year is going to be shit. For the matter, first two years or three years of shit. Like you're not making a lot of money. Even if you make money, it's not a lot of money. You're just barely, barely making enough to be able to continue to grow your business or invest back in your business, right? So if you're going to need that runway and you don't have something to run way on, yeah. <laughs> you're going to fall right into the trap and you're going to quit on the career of coaching that may give you the fuel that you want in your life, the joy that you want in your life. So if you have the runway, knock yourself out. You can quit whatever you want. But if you don't have the runway, know that the runway ends at some point. It could be a month, two months, three months. Right. And when that runway ends, your journey will end. You're going to be in oh shit mode. Oh, you're going to be oh shit. shit. Yeah, you're going to be oh shit, it's not working. Oh shit, I don't have the money. Oh shit, I need to pay the electricity bill. Oh shit, who do I ask for money from now? Oh shit, what my parents will think about it. Oh shit, so many oh shits are going to happen at the same time that you're going to be feeling trapped in that reality, even if your pursuit, your joy sits in coaching. And you will think coaching is responsible for you not being happy, right? And nobody built a career being unhappy building that career, right? It's just not possible. Like you're frustrated, you're not, especially an entrepreneurial career, because it's really frustrating to be an entrepreneur firstly, because you have to deal with no's, you have to deal with a lot of your own self, you have to deal with constantly thinking, how can I make this product better? There's a lot of stuff that you're handling that in a job you don't have to right? Because in a job, you're doing a singular specialized thing most of the time. So your brain is very much specialized into that activity. So it's easier to do that activity. As an entrepreneur, a new one, if you're not funded, if you don't have a team, you're doing every activity that a business needs at the same time, which means it's incredibly frustrating if you don't know how taxes are to be filed, right? Especially now if you can't even afford an accountant, well, good luck with that, right? That's going to take away two days of your time, five days of your time. Instead of, oh, you know what? I want to have enough runway that I can pay an accountant to pay my taxes or file my taxes so I don't have to wait five days of my time actually filing something that I don't even want to learn anyways, 
right? And that is useful when you're actually building a career. When you're building as an entrepreneur, as you're building a company, it's useful to not have to do things that you don't want to be good at, are not naturally good at, is not a skill that absolutely is required to be successful in your career. You're not required to be a great accountant to be successful in coaching. Like you're absolutely not required to be great at finances if you want to be a coach, right? You need to know how to coach. That's the skill that you really want and you want to put all your time towards it, not on how to do accounts or anything like that, right? Not on how to build a website or any of that stuff. Those are not skills that are important. So ask yourself, what am I trading, right? What is my runway? How much can I actually afford? And if you don't have the affordability, well, then you don't have the possibility of quitting. Then you suck it up. Yep. You got to suck it up for six months, one year, save up so you can have that runway. And now you quit. For that matter, it's actually better because it's like almost like you are on the safe track of your job and career. You're getting paid. You're making some money. Good. And while that is happening, you keep building this runway. right? And one day the runway will actually be as sensible, as scalable, as valuable as the safe track that you've been driving on all this way. Right, So then you, if you quit it, nothing changes for you because your lifestyle stays the same. You know, one of the greatest hurts that happen to a coach is when they have to start sacrificing their lifestyle because they sacrifice their learning, they sacrifice their happiness, they sacrifice their joy, they become needy, they become desperate for clients. None of that helps you actually create a business. So you want to find what's that minimum income that you need, build that income while doing your safe job so you can have that runway, and then you go, okay, now I can actually just do this. And then you can quit your job. So much better, so much easier. No uh, you know, anxiety, no fear, no challenge. Just keep it easy. Why, why do you have to stress yourself out to building this runway while you are actually trying to take off from this runway? That's just a crazy idea. What tends to happen is people think that they're losing time is why they go, oh, I must quit right now. Because you know, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. That's not true. Most of the coaches, let's say if they start their, their careers in 30s or 40-year-olds, even 50-year-olds, 60 years old, right? Let's say this is when you're starting your career. Well, guess what? You're probably likely to live until you're 100, 110. Like if you're actually about 30 years old, you're likely to live up to 100 based on studies, right? That means you've only lived about 30% of your life. There's 70% of your life left. Even if you spent next seven years building that runway, seven years, you've only utilized 10% more. Yeah. Right? You still got 63% left of your life. That's most of your life. This goes back to you saying that time bends for you, right? Like you're not yeah. really wasting time or losing time. And I love what Lisa Nichols once taught all of us. I remember being inside of her global leadership program and, you know, someone was sharing about the same thing. Like I should just quit my job. They were talking about how they should just quit their job. And Lisa was like, your job is your investor. Your job actually helps you to invest in your business. So rather than saying, I hate my job, I want to quit it wow, you have a paycheck that's coming in every two weeks. So you have that security going for you. Like it's it actually really just a shift of like, wow, I'm so grateful that I have this job. And it will actually help you learn how to have time bend for you. Because if you know you, you're working eight hours a day, then what are you doing for the rest of the time, right? Yeah. And that's where you get to prioritize. Exactly. Yeah. And if you think about any great entrepreneur that the story to tell is I quit everything and I started this. Most of the time is not true. Most of the time, the people who even quit, even quit their schools, they quit when they were already stable in the business. They had already got an investor. They'd already had somebody backing them. The business was already built enough where there was some profitability to it. Otherwise, most of the time, they took actually longer to build a business than they would have if they kept the safety of a job. 
It actually would have, it took them longer. It took them 10 years to build a business instead of two because they now had to figure out money and do things that they don't even want to do, ship a crappy product, not do the services that they promised. Just basically had clients pay for their journey without giving them the service. Instead of doing that, that's why it took too longer because clients hate you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you don't want to do that. Instead, build this runway, use your job as your investor, like Lisa says, use your job as an investor and keep building along the way. And you would be so much happier, your clients will be so much happier, you will actually get off that job and into a stable career in a matter of two to three years instead of taking seven. And you would have done it in a way that didn't stress you out so much, which yeah, is yeah. what we want. We don't want to be stressed out while we're doing the thing that we love, right? This is a lifestyle that we're choosing to have. So I just love the visual of creating that runway side by side. I want to talk about the first one to two years of business as a coach. Uh, in life, when our expectations don't match our actual experience, oftentimes we get caught up in this mental drama of, I'm not good enough, I don't have what it takes, all the stuff, right? Clearly, I'm not cut out for this. So what's the best mindset to go into as you're entering into this new coaching career? Like, what's the best mindset for anyone who's like, you know what, I want to become a coach? What is the mindset that they need to have? If you're choosing a new career, including a coaching career, you want to choose to get into that career thinking that I'm going to be in this career for the rest of my life. Wow. Say more about that. Yeah. So when you choose any career, if you take a short-term approach to that career, you're not building a career, you're just seeking the next opportunity. And you would probably want to find another opportunity very soon then. And that's not going to be fun, right? You're not going to enjoy it on the long term. It's not going to be something that you'll build that is sustainable. You'll just build something that will make you some money. Right? This happened uh, when coaching became popular. There were a lot of coaches. Suddenly they were like, everybody was teaching coaching marketing and everybody was teaching coaching how to coach and everybody who has coached one person was saying, I'll teach you how to coach. And that was because it was an opportunity. Everybody was like, oh, this is a hot booming market. Let's go into it and let's do something. And soon enough, crypto boomed after that, maybe three years after that. And everybody was a crypto expert right after that. Now crypto is crashing. Somebody will become some other expert, right? And that shows a person that they're not necessarily conscious and aware and interested in coaching or crypto. They're interested in the boom. They want to be rich because they think rich will give them happiness or rich will give them joy or rich is all they care for. And they all they want is the big car and the fancy yacht. And nothing wrong with that if that's you, but let's be conscious and aware that that's you and be okay with that. Then do that shadow work and say, well, yeah, I'm kind of messed up. That's all I want. <laughs> I want validation through money. I actually don't things, seek, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't seek love. I seek love because I'm rich. So great, go for it if that's what it is. But if that's not what it is, ask yourself a better question. If I'm doing this, if I'm interested in helping somebody live a better life, if I'm interested in living a better life myself, why do I have to rush it? What's, what's the point of saying, I must get there today? I must get there better is a better question, right? Take your time if it takes the time. Coach, coach for free, coach for paid. Coach while you're having your job. Coach while you don't have your job. Coach, coach, coach. Enjoy the process of the journey of creating something that's valuable in the world outside and take away the time limitation on it. Take away that idea that I must do this for one year and two years or three years or five years because it doesn't matter. Like I said, in the scale of life or in the scheme of life, there is at no point you're at least 10 years away from death whatever time you chose to have this career. At least that's what I think. Again, I don't know my audience's true age and every listener's true age. But what I see on like age demographics, 
you're somewhere between 30 to 50. It's usually a person that listens to this podcast, which means you're 10 years is like minimum that you're away from that. You're probably 30 to 40 years away from your end time. And if science and technology doesn't develop more, you're probably 50 to 60 years away, mm-hmm. right? So if you have that much time, how does it matter if it takes you five years to build a career, right? That you will have for the next 30 years that you actually enjoy, right? Instead of trying to rush this career, build it, and then build it as quickly and then go, oh, I don't even like what I built because I just built it for money. Built it for joy, right? And if you build it for joy, it will take the time because you'll discover things as you're building it. And that's perfectly fine. I really love how you answered this question, which you were like, start, if you're if you're transitioning into a career, think of it like, this is going to be my career forever. When you said that, I was like, ooh, forever. Like that, you know, commitment issues coming up. But, you know, I, I have to be honest, I actually love that approach. Like as I'm entering into being a voiceover artist, in my mind, I've been thinking about like, wow, if I do this forever, like I'm applying it to myself that I'm like, who would I be? Like, it's just when I'm committing to something long-term, it's like a full body experience, right? It's not just like a one and done. I'm just going to do this and be done with it. I love that approach of like, if you're going to do this, go into it like you're going to do it forever because then there's, I feel like you'll make less impulsive decisions when you do that. Yeah, you make less impulsive decisions. You're more conscious of the product that you create. You're concerned about the quality. You're concerned about, you know, what is happening for my client, what is happening to the earth, what is happening to the universe. While all of this is happening, you're a lot more aware of things and you're a lot more at peace with the pace of life. You're a lot more ease to the pace of life and the pace of career build. And that gives you time. And when it gives you time in the sense of it allows you to lean into, it can take as long as it needs to take. And when you do that, you will find that you also give yourself a chance to be in the company of legends. If you really think about it, let's think about anybody that anybody looks up to, right? It is very much a possibility that that person has been doing that thing for at least 10 years, maybe even more, right? We just talked about our friend Lisa Nichols or our mentor Lisa Nichols. She's been doing this for like 30 years. Something like that. Mind Valley has existed. The domain was just 20 years ago, right? Uh, Tony Robbins has been teaching classes for 40 years. These people have become legends not because they decided, oh, I'm going to go do this quick thing for the next two years and see if it works. They did this because they're like, I love doing this. I would do this if I wasn't getting paid. I, of course, want to take care of my bills, but I would do this on my free time if I wasn't getting paid. I would do this forever, right? Now, here's the thing. It may be that you don't do it forever. Maybe you fall out of love from that relationship with coaching or that career of coaching, and that's okay too. But the way you approach it is you're going to do it forever. It's like being in a relationship, really. When you approach a partner, you don't say, you know what would be great? This partner I'll marry for two years. You know, two years is all I get, five years. That's the marriage cycle that I want, right? If that's the cycle, you're not going to look for the best partner. You're going to look for the one that you can survive for five years. You're going to look for the best partner, the most partner that grows with you and dances with you. And you say, this is going to be your partner for life. And that's how I'm going to approach this relationship, not the five-year term, right? If you approach a relationship like that, you're not trying to rush marriage. You're trying to take your time. You're like, okay, I want to understand you a little bit more, right? You're not trying to rush babies. You're trying to understand the person saying, hey, I want to know you more, right? And when you are confident and comfortable with that, you say, oh, now, yes, let's have a baby. Let's have a child. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's get married. Let's actually put a legal document to it. All of that happens because you've found the pace and the comfort with that person. If you make a rush decision, well, you 
don't really have a happy life most of the time. Well, I have like so many more follow-up questions that I want to ask, but here's one that's coming to mind right now. So if we approach this new career, right? I'm going to do this forever. And then we decide, I don't want to do this. Then that's okay too. That's okay. I think I think so many of us, and I've struggled with this as well, but I think I've never really, it, it hasn't been that hard for me because I've, I've had many different careers, right? I've gone from therapist, I've done coaching for 11 years, I, and then I went into plant-based culinary school because I thought I wanted to be a chef, but honestly, I just love to cook. So I was like, and I love to eat. I'm like, let me just learn how to cook. So I did that. Then I became a yoga teacher. I went to India and I learned Ashtanga yoga. And I did that for myself. I did a lot of these things just for myself. I think people need to give themselves permission to change their mind. Do you find that a lot with people coming through Evercoach as well who want to start off? Like they start off all gung-ho and they're like, I really want to be a coach. And then they're like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. What do you notice typically has happened between this like surge of excitement to, wait, I want to give up? What has happened in between? So what I've found is that if you're a growth-centered person, you will change your mind. That's absolutely going to happen. And that's not a bad thing at all. If you are a growth-centered person, of course, you're going to find things about life and find new joys in life and you will change your mind. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's why I'm not saying you must have that career for all your life. I'm saying you approach it as if you're going to do it for life. And that's not because you actually will do it for life. Nobody knows what's going to happen in life. I'm no future teller that I can tell you, oh, that's how your life's going to unfold. But what it does for you as a person is it gives you the presence and gravitas and patience of saying, I'm building something solid. I'm not just trying to figure something out for a short term. It's exactly like how you build a relationship. A real love partnership is not built on weak ground of a one-week partnership, right? That's not a solid partnership. A solid partnership is built over years and moments and moments of you doing the work. That's exactly how a career is built. You do work moment by moment every single day. And then one day you see the fruits of that work that you've done, right? So that's kind of how a career is built. So even when you change your career, the new career you pick is going to be the same. Don't approach it like, oh, I'm going to do this for next one month. Then you're not choosing a career, you're choosing a hack. A short-term fix. A, a short-term short fix, fix. Yep. yeah. It's like snorting cocaine instead of actually doing something with your life. Yes. I don't know why I thought of that example, but uh, I know I've not, I've never even done cocaine. Well, listen, I, I, I will speak is. to this yeah. as someone who has used a lot of cocaine in her life, no more, okay. but it's it's definitely a quick hit. It's to make you feel good in the moment. Yeah. And then eventually you come down from it and you're like, I don't like this feeling anymore. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's really, I get your example. Your example is really all about, please don't just be in it for the quick hit and the fix because that fix, it's not fulfilling. It's not long-term. You can have a quick hit, you can have a great high, but it's only going to last for so long. Yeah, so that's kind of why you want to approach it like you're going to do it for a really long term and know that you will change your mind because you're a growth-centered person and there's nothing right or wrong about it. It's just who you are and how you will evolve. And sometimes you will not change your mind and that's okay too. It's okay too, that's perfectly fine. So lean into that and I think that gives you that pace that you can really accept the pace of life and be open to the change that will happen. So I want to segue into my last question and it's going to be a little bit meatier. And I want to talk about the importance of setting up systems supporting your business, not just tech systems, because I think that's what we always think of. Like, oh, we need to have our backend systems. I want to talk about the support systems that you recommend 
for new and aspiring coaches to look for that's usually underestimated, right? Like being a part of the community, getting the proper training, taking care of your body, like having support around that, having a system for continuous learning, like for the new coaches who are inside, you know, CLC, your um, Certified Life Coaches program. What are some of the underestimated support systems that you recommend? Mm -hmm. Before I go into underestimate support system, I forgot to answer one part of your question previously. So let me answer that. And that was where you asked, what happens when people start with a big bang? And then what happens with most of the coaches? And here's what I've seen that tends to happen. There is either great frustration and they quit everything. And that's the thing that we want to avoid. That's what tends to happen when you do the thing of, I'm going to quit everything and I'm going to do this one thing. is because you set yourself up for failure. And so you fail, and failing in a career where now you don't have any money will get you to go way furthest away from that career if possible. So you go, oh shit, coaching doesn't work. It is not for me as a career. And then you just quit everything, right? So that's the one thing that happens sometimes. The second thing that happens is a lot of people figure it out along the way that they love coaching as a lifestyle. And so they bring it to their work. They bring it to a career that they love. They would bring it to their personal life. They would do that part-time. So that's what I see a lot of coaches do. A lot of coaches don't pursue it as a full-time career. They love the idea, the change coaching has brought, and they bring it to them as a lifestyle everywhere, in their relationships, in their work, in their parenting, with their friends, with their colleagues, and sometimes to clients that may be outside of that realm. There was a doctor that used to be one of our students and is one of our students. And he suggested that doing certified life coach with us was one of the most powerful things he did for when he meets his patients now. Because what he found is that he could give people the pill, but a pill is like the fix. It'll fix the pain right now, but if I can change your behavior, and you don't need the pill. Right? If I could change the nutrition intake that you take or the workout that you have resisted for the longest time, if I can coach you to lose some weight, a lot of times the pill can go away. Yep. The pill doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And while we make fun of doctors in the medical system, a lot of the doctors are really kind-hearted. They do it for the right reasons. Yeah. They want to actually help people. They don't want to give you a pill. Yeah. The problem is you won't do anything else. <laughs> so that's yeah. why they end up giving you the pill. It's not that they're saying, yeah, I want to medicate the heck out of you. They don't. They, they're making enough money without doing that. But at the same point in time, sometimes they don't have the tools. And that's where we are seeing a lot of medical professionals are learning the skill of coaching to say, I just want to be able to help my clients a little bit better because I know my pill will help them for now. But if I want to really help them heal, I need to help them change their life, lifestyle, not just life. And I need to help them be able to see things that they can't see right now. And that's where we're seeing coaching being incorporated in just day-to-day lifestyle things. They're not necessarily coaches, but they have the skill of coaching. And that makes them their profession a lot powerful than what it was before. So the dimension I wanted to answer that before I got into the systems that somebody as a coach may want to consider to have in their life. The underestimated systems, and the I'm going to share some system, too yeah. as well. That has yeah. helped me, yeah. So some of the underestimated systems that a coach, a new coach or a seasoned coach could use is to firstly diagnose everything that is around them. So intentionality is very commonly known, but very rarely practiced. 
is we are very, we, everybody says live an intentional life, but very few people practice living an intentional life. An intentional life is where you look at everything around you and say, what is this contributing to my life or not contributing to my life? So for example, and this is a random example, but I'm going to give it, right? So this is a glass. This is my office studio where this glass is present, right? There's a reason why there's a particular type of water in there. This is a water called Just Water. It's by Jaden Smith, I think, is the owner of this company. And they package their water in paper, so it's very minimal plastic that's used. There is some plastic, but it's one of those eco-friendly versions. It is infused without any sugar, infused with a little bit of flavor of lemon, this one, but they have many other flavors. So that water is very intentional because I know I'm not wasting anything when I'm presenting that on set. Otherwise, I have a different filter, but this is for set, right? So that's the reason why that's so important is because it brings to my consciousness how I am being aware of the planet as well, even while I'm doing consumption, for example, in this scenario. But also, let's say, for example, a glass. A glass, what style of this glass is? What's the color of this glass? Why it is different than a regular glass that I could have had? Because it puts me into the state of, I love travel, right? I love areas of different parts of the world. This kind of reminds me a little bit of Middle East, of Morocco or Egypt, maybe even of India. Yeah. And that's why I have this glass. But it's very intentional. It's I could have just got an Ikea glass. It's my studio. It's not even my house. But I have everything in my surrounding that has intention to it. Because if I manufacture my surrounding to be at a particular um, state, I will operate differently. I have particular fragrances, I have particular colors, I have a particular, everything that is brought into the studio, and that's why a lot of it is empty still, is because I go, oh, this is not the perfect, I could get any table or any couch, but that's not what, when you get into a space, you need to know what's the feeling it's going to drive into you. So that's one of the very small but critical things. A lot of people live really messily or live with whatever was the design of somebody else or, and so forth. Don't do that to yourself. Create your space that inspires you, including small tinctures. Like there's a reason why this particular thing is here. This reminds me of taking a leap of faith. This is somebody taking a leap. It shows me, it reminds me, take a leap of faith. Do something that looks dangerous, right? And do something that is different. So everything has a purpose, has a meaning in my head or by design. And that gives me that space to be able to show up in my most positive self. Music is another thing that is very important to me is this particular soundtracks that I would listen to as I drive to my workplace. As I am about to get into coaching, there's a particular soundtrack for it. If I'm about to go on stage, there is a soundtrack for it. So everything is very intentional. And you can only be intentional when you question where are you vibrating when you are doing something. So if I'm about to do a podcast, what's my vibration? Or what could be impacting it? Like if I'm not vibrating at a high level, well, what could be impacting it? Is it that I ate the wrong foods? Is that that, that I listened to the wrong music? Is it the wrong smell? What is it? What is it that is impacting my scenario and how can I change it? And if I can change it, I can create a better circumstance for me. We are sensory beings. As much as we think it's all in our mind, it's not. It's everything. Our body has five senses and six senses are intuition. But those five senses need to be satisfied for you to feel empowered. And any of those senses can take away from that power. Make the temperature too hot, you're not going to be as comfortable. Make it too cold, you're not going to be as comfortable. You want to be at the right temperature. You want to be in the right state. And all of that is what creates 
small systems that allow you to be in the right state. There are a lot of systems that are inbuilt in my life to move, like for example, I absolutely must do two workouts every single week. They're done with a trainer. They are strength training focused. They absolutely need to be there because I know how they regulate my energy. There is certain uh, practices that I must do every single day. There must be at least once or twice in the week that I must walk because I know how it regulates my system. There must be at least a book I'm reading at any given time. And I read about 22 books this year as I'm recording this, but it probably by the end of the year, I'll be to 24 books. And next year, I'm hoping to do 36 books. And that's basically because it, I know what it does to my mind, to my soul, to my energy. So you want to build systems around it. Right, And so you want to find those ecosystems and say, what is it that I'm doing? How is it that I am on automation growing every single time or every single day? So for example, none of my walks is without me listening to a book. It's automated, right? It's automated because I'm like, oh, I have to do walk twice a week that I will anyways do. And so I'm going to plug in my headphones and I'm going to listen to a book. So it ends up being a book that I've read over the course of two walks or three walks, depending on how long the book is, and so forth. So it, it is all automated. I put myself into circumstances, groups, masterminds, where you would go and you know, and you don't go to the biggest thing you can find. You find the most aligned thing you can find. Right? It's got to be aligned. It can't just be a mastermind. right? So I go find, hey, that's an aligned mastermind. That feels like it's the right kind of people, people that are my vibe, my energy. I want to go join that. Because when I join that, I've automated another part of my learning by being in an environment with them, right? So you want to find what grows you constantly. You want to find what keeps you in a positive energy, what keeps you uplifted, what keeps you aligned to your purpose and your mission, because that's really important as well. And that does mean sometimes taking away things from your ecosystem. Like, for example, we were talking about some time ago how I eliminated certain people that I would invite all the time because I was like, they drain energy out of me. I don't want to hang out with them. And so I don't want to hang out with them. I don't want to hang out with them. It's not anything bad about them. It just for me, it doesn't work. And so why would I do that to myself? It does mean that, yeah, there was a friendship that I said no to, but that's okay. It's probably good for them too because I would have met them in a not a very good way because you know I was drained myself every single time I was meeting them. So I don't want to be in that energy and that's perfectly okay by me. And not all relationships have to work. No. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. You're probably causing more harm than good. I wanted to share a resource with your audience. If you haven't watched this documentary on Netflix, it's called Stutz. And it's actually by Jonah Hill, the actor who was in Superbad and so many other movies. I mean, he's so funny. He really took off in his career, the first like five years of his career. But now he's sharing, he did an entire documentary on his therapist who is like a therapist of the stars in Hollywood, right? Phil Stutz. So he talks about life force. He said, there may be a lot of things in life that we do not have control over, but you always have control over your life force. And that is that shakti. That's that energy. We need the life force to be able to do interviews like this, to be able to, you know, be out and be a great dad, to be a good partner. And he says, you can always look at your life force. You can always increase your life force through exercise, through people that you're communicating with, what you're eating. And I wanted to share a few of the things that works for me is lighting for me like has been a game changer. So I have chromotherapy lighting all throughout my house now. So at night, because it's hard for me to wind my brain down to, to like start getting ready for bed. So as soon as the sun starts to set, I change all the lighting in the house and they're different colors. And that immediately helps me kind of get out of my head like, okay, boss, we're going to stop working. We're going to stop being in our, we're going to just, we're going to start relaxing. You know what I mean? We're going to, we're, we're going to get ready for bed. The other thing is I need to have at least two very enriching, fulfilling friend conversations a day. I usually talk to your wife. 
we have like these like in-depth conversations, maybe like once or twice a week. And that really fills me up. That's my life force, right? So these systems that you're sharing are helping us to keep that life force going so yeah. that we can go do the thing that, yeah. we, that we need to be doing. What's been the most impactful system for you this year? I think all of my systems are very impactful. They're like nuanced at this point. And yeah. sometimes like even the question, I'm like, what all is the system? Sometimes I don't even realize I have a system. But there is a system and somebody else looks at it and go, oh, that's very specific what you do. I'm like, yeah, because that's like, I know where I will be point A, where I'll be point B. And it's not so important what's my system than us knowing that there must be one. And you are already operating on one. Everybody yes. is. Yeah. It just is default. And when default systems is like getting a MacBook and using Safari, you can use it. But a better software to use when you are is would be Chrome or if you're so concerned about your privacy, there's one more that has come out that I don't even remember because I'm not so concerned about my privacy. I'm a very public person. So, (laughs) uh, and I want everybody to target me with their ads. I don't know why people not want that. Uh, So, (laughs) I love ads. Everybody should love it. I think everybody loves it. I don't know why people- Listen, I've learned a lot from people serving me ads. It's like, if Target can tell me five times a day that I need to buy these pajamas, I need to be marketing my business, yeah. right? Like it's actually been really helpful. Oh, I thought you will say you need to buy those pajamas. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I've learned from these bigger companies that are serving their ads all the time. It's like, yeah. they have no problem getting up in our inboxes. Yeah. I will do the same. Yeah, exactly. So, helpful too. so yeah, but, but what I'm really trying to say is that if you're defaulting to a browser, you are defaulting to, which is if you're defaulting to your common behavior, you're defaulting to something that somebody else set up for you which may not be the most effective thing and the most powerful thing to use. And most of us have a default setup. Everybody has a system. It's default. And because it's default, it was probably programmed by either some parent or somebody that you really loved and respected at some point in your life because they had that behavior, you have that behavior. And because you have that behavior, you think it's an optimized behavior, but a lot of times it's not because they didn't have a good behavior. There's a really fun story. It's not my story. I heard it somewhere. There's a story about there was somebody who was uh, making their turkey. You know, like it was Thanksgiving, they were making turkey. And uh, the kids were there and the mom was there. And the mom said, all right, let's slice both ends of the turkey and then put it in the oven. And then the daughter said, this was a young daughter, like 10 years old or something, like, why are we slicing the both ends of turkey? And she was like, well, I don't know. My mother always used to slice both ends of the turkey, so... We will end slice both ends of the turkey. Let's ask your grandma, right? She said, let's ask grandma. Let's go. Let's call her. And they picked up the phone. They called grandma. And grandma's like, um, and they go, hey, grandma, mom wants to cut both sides of the turkey. Why are we cutting both sides of the turkey? And she was like, I don't know. My mom used to cut both sides of the turkey all the time. And so I cut both sides of the turkey. And I told your mom to cut both sides of the turkey. And they said, well, let's call your great-grandma. And the great-grandma was still alive. She's like 125. And they call great-grandma. And she's fully present, of course. And she goes, uh, <laughs> hello, hi, how are you kids doing? I'm on a date right now. And <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. <laughs> it's great. But, I'm loving the story. Keep going. Uh, they go, well, great-great-grandma uh, or great-grandma, why do you cut both sides of the turkey? And great-grandma goes, oh, that's a funny story. You know, your granddad was so silly. He bought us such a small oven. So to fit the turkey in the oven, I had to cut two sides of the turkey and put it in the oven. That's why I cut both sides of the turkey. That basically tells you that great-grandma cut both sides of the turkey because she had a small oven. That doesn't mean you have a small oven. (laughs) It could be completely different. You don't have to cut both sides of the turkey. You don't have to decide 
that because somebody did something or set yourself on an autopilot because of a particular behavior, that that's the right behavior. It maybe was the right behavior for them and maybe they were perfectly okay and right in that time. That doesn't mean it's right now. So choose a different behavior. Find your system. Don't fall for the autopilot system. Autopilot systems are the most average systems that are defaulted to you without thought. Use thought, use thinking. Design systems that actually fulfill you. Oh, oh, oh.